Hi everyone and welcome to episode 257 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with the lovely Lauren. Hi everyone. <laughs> that was quite an entrance. <laughs> the lovely Lauren. Luscious Lauren? What would you prefer? Luba. Luba. <laughs> it's the Luba Lauren. <laughs> bloop 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 hello guys how are you doing see this is what happens when you get back-to-back podcast episodes yeah lauren goes just loopy <laughs> Luba Luba. um yeah no um we're just having a massive discussion about how final fantasy 14 needs babies no well the we original were. premise was what don't tell would, them the original premise don't lauren, ruin magic what would convince lauren to play 14 and the answer was if they had a parenting mechanic could you imagine Baby Lalafels. Baby Lalafels attacking the world. It would be beautiful. And there we go. So if you're listening, anyone who plays 14 or is part of the development team and you want Lauren to play the game, add a mechanic where she can have baby Lalafels that I she mean, can train up to conquer the world. You can have minions, but but they're just not the same. They're not the you same. Don't, you don't raise them. Yeah, you don't raise them. You don't them. give birth. No. Oh, I don't. Uh, no, that's taking it too far. No. They just have to kind of appear because I don't want to relive that mess. No, what? No, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. Not in a digital form. No, this is do you, a safe space. Do you space. want there still to be a gestation period? <laughs> no, because even that's weird. Then they have no, in The Sims, they just, though. They just have to. They, they just have wait, to. Wait, so in The Sims, they awesome. have the woohoo and then they just appear. They used to. You used to just kiss, and then they would be like, "But now there's pregnancy, have? right?" It's so funny. Yeah, it's so funny. How it used to happen is that you just kiss a lot, and then all of a sudden, it just asks you, "Do you want to have a baby? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Bassinet appears. You have a baby. Ta-da! Just like real life. <laughs> just like real life. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, no. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Final Fantasy. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the Tokyo Game Show, which is actually still ongoing. We have delayed the episode slightly because I believe all of the Final Fantasy news is now out of the way as mm. part of their ongoing three-day broadcast schedule. We just concluded the first Soldier segment and um, now they're doing a lot of other stuff about Dragon Quest and the, to- the trading card game, which... I mean, Dragon Quest doesn't really apply to us because I don't think Dragon Quest Ten offline is coming to the West. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a missed opportunity, really, because the original MMO was Japanese only. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Just cost-cutting. Can't be bothered to localize yeah, it. Yeah, nah, nah. But we were discussing, work. though, how, how cool it would be. Because like Final Fantasy XIV is, is like massively still in the ascendancy now, which is crazy considering it's been going for like eight years. And um, with the Dragon Quest X came out only a year before Iron Reborn. But and I believe Dragon Quest X is still ongoing as a subscription-based MMO as well, with new expansions being released. It's obviously nowhere near as popular as fourteen, but I don't know how popular it is in Japan in relation mm. to fourteen. But they are working on Dragon Quest X offline, so you don't have to have a subscription fee or anything. They've kind of tailored it to be a single-player game, and just how cool it would be if they did the same thing for fourteen, because so many people who are in the same position as Laura and I, where we we can't commit to playing the online experience just time-wise i guess Mm -hmm. um it would make it so much more accessible Mm -hmm. and based on how things are going so many people would be interested in picking that up i'm sure that would be a massive million seller for square Mm -hmm. yeah there there is still that barrier for people to not want to have to play online like even even still and like i mean also cost-wise it's just it's just too much yeah like i'm very that's what i'm very curious to see how dragon quest 10 sells in mm. comparison to a normal dragon quest experience because mm. i think you would typically be expecting a dragon quest game in japan to sell like two three maybe four even five million copies yeah and if dragon quest 10 offline sells under a million i think that would probably put square enix off doing something similar for 14 but it doesn't seem as though square the square side of the business and the Enix side of the business share anything <laughs> or do anything similar. They just, They're just the weird cousins that we only see on the holidays. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken like throughout this year about how the Dragon Quest anniversary, 35th anniversary 
it, it seems as though they did everything everyone wanted. They announced Dragon Quest Ten offline. They announced Dragon Quest Twelve. They announced the uh, Dragon Quest Two uh, D HD rem- remakes. Everyone seems to be just really excited about what's happening with Dragon Quest at the moment. Mm. Whereas Final Fantasy, I mean, the 35th anniversary is next year. I love how they made a logo for it as well. Like the fact that it's like 35 and they're just like, it's really special. It's just like, but why didn't you do anything for the 30th? Why is the 35th now special? Well, they've done stuff every five years since the 20th anniversary. Yeah. But most of those anniversary celebrations have been completely moot like <laughs> nothing's really happened i think the first one let's just check this out actually let's get another tea towel yay yeah they do a load of merchandise but like, for like gaming wise it just doesn't really amount to anything mm. so the 20th anniversary they did like this actually makes sense right they did com- the the psp anniversary versions of final fantasy 1 and 2 which like had all the enhanced graphics extra dungeons like loads of new content to them they released uh, the War of the Lions PSP version, which was super enhanced. They released the Final Fantasy IV remake uh, in Japan. They did Final Fantasy XII International, and they released Dissidia. Mm-hmm. So, like, you had uh, one, two, three, four, five games that were kind of anniversary based. Um, but the main thing was that they re-released Final Fantasy One and Two very mm-hmm. clearly anniversary-based because it's the 20th anniversary of Final Fantasy 1. And they released Dissidia, which is an anniversary game. Yeah. For the 25th anniversary, I don't think they did anything that was specific. They released The Atrium, which I guess is an anniversary game as well in the same uh, manner as Dissidia. But other than that, they released Final Fantasy Dimensions, which was nothing to do with the anniversary mm-hmm. final fantasy Emerald brigade which was nothing to do with the anniversary they re-released final fantasy 7 on pc on steam nothing to do with the anniversary and they they did a psp port of final fantasy 3 and they and they positioned these as all anniversary games mm. like none of them everything's an anniversary game yeah. and then the 30th anniversary which obviously is the one that was most recent they just shoved a load of stuff in there that was nothing to do with it mm. like the zodiac age stormblood Final Fantasy 15 DLC, The City NT, which wasn't an anniversary game at all. Mobi- like They did all collaborations in these mobile games. The only game that actually released that was part of the 30th anniversary was an Itadaki Street game, <laughs> which we didn't even get outside of Japan. No. It's just, it, it, it does get a bit frustrating as a fan. Obviously, like you want to celebrate the franchise with them. So I'm- <laughs> We're like those people on TikTok where it's just like... Then when the sky is falling, then when it's under shine, just like really sad in the corner. It's like or that that mem with the kid uh, drowning, and then the the one under the sea where it's just a skeleton, and you're just kind of like, oh, we're forgotten. Yeah, I mean, technically, Stranger of Paradise. I think that's what I was gonna say. Is that that definitely looks like that's they're the, trying it's, it's, to make it's it. It's kind of a redone version of the original game. They so, put the logo on it for the thirty yeah. fifth anniversary, and so so that makes sense as an anniversary game. And they also did say at the end of the press conference that there are other games that have not been announced yet that will play a part in the anniversary. Mm. But it is funny because it's just kind of like they thought of it one meeting like, you know, this game could really... What what anniversary do we got coming up? Okay, guys. Uh, 35th anniversary. Oh, you know what? Because we include so much other Final Fantasy crap in this game, why don't we just call it part of the front... Part of the 35th anniversary. That sounds amazing. Yeah. But... Yeah, but we'll get on to yeah, so the weirdness. Today we're going to be talking about the Tokyo Game Show press conference and kind of the wider show. And then we're going to be talking specifically about Stranger of Paradise. <laughs> Wait, is it Stranger of Paradise? Stranger in Paradise? I can never get it right. Stranger, Stranger of, of Paradise. Yeah. Yes. Stranger of Paradise. But first, though, we're going to do our Patreon shoutouts and we're going to kick things off with Lewis James at LJ Composer. Rachel Casterton at Drunken Vieira. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Miles Ribbons. Alex and Rachel Trowman at Akira Namjian. Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson. Ryzen. Thurin Bullen at Massacre 23. Sam Ennis. Chris Willis. Fayaz Bilal. Chris Pope. Freya Stella. Jared Brilland. Marco Lilu. 
and Gregory. Thank you all so much, guys. Thank you all so much. So, yeah, the Tokyo Game Show. There was, I'd say, a decent amount of expectation going into this, even though Yoshida had said there will be <laughs> no Final Fantasy 16. And they actually started the press conference off by saying there will be no Final Fantasy 16 in this because Yoshida said there will be no Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> And uh, I kind of appreciated that mm. uh, up front because it, it kind of softened expectations throughout the thing. There's not actually going to be a surprise. Don't get your hopes up. And like you and I have been watching a lot of the like the um, the the near based press conferences and how silly they are. Mm. It seems because they had the guy um, who is uh, the voice actor of. I think he's Grimoire Vice mm-hmm. in in near, but he's also the narrator of Voice of Cards. And uh, he was the MC of the press conference. And there was some, it was like, it toes the line between being a bit silly, but also serious. Whereas the Western ones always seem like they're trying to be super professional. And it, it it's like the whole Microsoft conference, isn't mm. it? Where they're like, well, premiere. It's like, no one cares about, mm. like, just make it fun. Make it exciting, make it interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, it comes back to that thing that I've I've sort of felt is that like, for some reason, Japan doesn't think that we get them. They think that they have to act differently to us. And maybe that's because of like how other companies present themselves, like Apple when they when Steve Jobs used to do it, or like Microsoft when they do their stuff. I mean, we saw it somewhat in one of the one of the things that we were a part of where this studio came out and did this presentation that was so tone deaf to what we were doing because it was so professional. It was so like, just, you know, look at all of these amazing games that we do and blah, 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 blah. And it's just kind of like, it just, it was too intense for the audience that it was. And maybe because Japan, that's all they really see of us, of the successful people. They just think that that's what they have to be like with us. Yeah, because like, if you look at the, like the Square Enix E3 press conference, there was no person mm-hmm. no matt mercer did the voiceover didn't he mm. but it was you didn't see matt mercer yeah and there was no jokes yeah it was just him reading a, a script that was 100 percent literal yeah yeah whereas and... the japanese one like it obviously wasn't ad-libbing i don't think but like it was it was like there were some jokes thrown in there that he put in his personality and like it, it was it just made it a bit more engaging and yeah. you get a few laughs here and there and like you know they made references like you know the first game that really came as a surprise was a game called Dungeon Encounters which is I don't know how they name their games like Dungeon Encounters <laughs> but it's a game that's been made by Hiroki Ito and like we've been talking so long about the fact that Ito is just non-existent. We put him on milk bottles. And they made reference to that in like the build-up. And then even when uh, they had a video from Ito and he was joking about the fact that he hasn't made a game for a long time and he'd kind of forgotten how to make one. And like, it was, it's just endearing, like the way yeah. they, the way they go about it. Um, but yeah, Dungeon Encounters was revealed. I'm, I'm curious about it mm-hmm. because it, it's, um, I know that you didn't really... Did you, like, pay too much attention to that one? Uh, not too much, no. It's like a maths-based dungeon crawler where you have encounters. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Daryl. <laughs> and it's, like, turn ATV structure, but mm. it's it's very, like, no frills. So there's a very minimal art style. There's I don't think there's going to be much of a story. It kind of looks like a crossword puzzle. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's how people have described it. It's, yeah. like a, it's kind of like a dungeon-based crossword puzzle. And, um, yeah, it's, like, very kind of maths-based, um, problem-solving. And so it's only going to appeal to a certain type of person. Like, there's not going to be some massive overarching story. And I think they actually said that when it was in production, Ito said, I want to make this kind of game. It's going to be very simple. And the higher-ups were like, well, don't you... If it's going to be so simple, don't you want to layer over some stuff on top to, like, draw people in? Like, don't you want there to be, like, a protagonist and a story? And he was just like, no, not really. <laughs> No thanks. No thanks. I I'm just good. want it to be a simple game. Yeah. And he wants to teach people about math. Yeah, I mean like it probably didn't cost them that much to pull together and 
they've got a couple of big names working on it. I'd imagine it's been pulled together by a team of like 10 to 15 people mm. with Ito kind of at the top, just kind of um, overseeing overseeing everything. And it's coming out in like two weeks, I think, actually, which is mm. the big surprise. Square Enix announced a game they're releasing like two weeks after it was announced. <laughs> what? It's what's it's some even kind happening? Of, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's Not crazy. Bless. Um, I do love seeing Ito again, though. So I might I might check it out and I might yeah. actually. The, ver- the only game I've bought so far digitally is Streets of Rage 4 mm. because I was um, strong armed into doing such a thing. Yeah. And um and just so you know, yeah, it was me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm tempted, honestly, mm. to check out Dungeon Encounters. Just because you want to encounter I some support, dungeons. I want to support Ito, you know? Like I, know. I want him to come back. I want him to do something meaningful. Oh, you missed the And Ito, the best way to Ito. get him back is to have this game sell ten million copies. So everybody from Far Fantasy Union just buy buy dungeon dungeon encounters and ito will come back yeah and ito might come back <laughs> we might <laughs> have him once us. more but it's so cute as well because you just sort of think like him in a meeting just being like so guys um i want to do a game where it's like primarily math and it kind of looks like a crossword puzzle do, do you think that i could do that maybe yeah sure whatever it's fine there was the the big uh meme going around uh, kind of around this press conference actually where it's just the fans constantly saying that the creators need to make the games that they want to make. Yeah. And then the company's going like, you know what? We should, we should listen to the fans. Let's just make the create, let the creators make the games they want to make. Yeah. The creator makes the game they want to make. They put it out into the world and the fans are like, what the hell <laughs> is this? We told you to make the games that you wanted to make, but they should be the same games that we want you to make as well. <laughs> although, although on that, and I, I think we'll get into this later, Strangers of Paradise, it's like, it's, it can be what the developers want. It just has to not be bad. All right. Yeah. We'll get onto it. Yeah. We'll get onto it. Yeah. Um, the other interesting game that was uh, not revealed but shown off was Voice of Cards. Mm. That's also coming out this month. So two games coming out this month that were released that were that were announced in the last like couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, it's the new game by um, Yoko Taro. He's working with the the main developer of Brave Exvius mm. randomly. I don't know how that works, but it's an offline game, not a mobile game, which I was quite surprised by as well. Mm. It's a very interesting one. I played the demo, so it, yeah, very no frills again. There is one narrator, uh, one voice actor for the whole game, mm. from what I understand. So he, for it's a it's a man in both instances, but that he will um, basically act as the game master, describing everything that's going on. Uh, a bit like about Bastion. Everything. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, it's, it's very card based. So you walk, you move around a map that is based on cards. The cards flip over as you move towards them. All the NPCs are on the cards. Like the battle system's all based around cards. It it seems quite interesting. I think your question was like. I don't understand how a game like that can kind of draw you in with the story. No, it it's just that I'm not a I'm not a massive fan of card games on like yeah, I I'm just not a massive fan of card video games, card related video games cuz like I, I played the, hmm. um Kingdom Hearts re uh oh what was it? Re it wasn't recoded. No, it was re Oh my god, they're all blending into one chain of memories. Um, yeah, the one that was on the PlayStation. And it just I just got so frustrated by being so resistant. And I, I don't know if that's because I was because of how it was, like it looked like it should play like a Kingdom Hearts game where, you know, you had the freedom to move and it was an action RPG. But like every time I tried to move, it was just like, you have to use this card. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to. Metal Gear Acid was a similar concept, but this is not that type of game. Yeah. So it's it's based it's around cards, but it's not like you have a deck and you've got to pull cards out of it and stuff. Mm. It's just a typical turn-based RPG, mm. except instead of getting like a menu where you go attack, whatever, you have cards instead that have the same commands. Mm. They just they just changed the visual representation of it. Hmm. I mean, I the one thing I will com- commend him on 
is the fact that he's not using the near branding to help support this game. Because I think that's kind of the issue that Square Enix always falls into when they make these types of new experiences. That's that they always kind of think, all right, well, let's paste the name that we're known for um, on here I mean, so that w- we can get sales. I would say that it's... it's. But then I feel like it's a detriment for yeah, me because I'm not really that interested. Honestly, that seems more like a Gitaze and Nomura yeah. like, um, thing that they fall back on all the time. Because Square, like, I don't know, like, I know, I think Matsuda had said a couple of years ago that they they had finally got to the point where they just couldn't keep relying on their original IP or their old IPs to, yeah. to keep the, to sustain the company anymore. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've seen it, um, especially like as I'm pulling together the book, you know, there has been a, a severe drop in the number of games releasing in the past three years mm. that have the name Final Fantasy associated to them. They've done re-releases of older games. Fine. But if you're talking about original games, like up until the first soldier comes out, that's going to be the first original Final Fantasy-based game since the Seven Remake, if we're excluding Integrate, because that's a just a uh, like a re, um, like an international version. Yeah. Um, and that you know that's that's almost two years. Mm-hmm. Like Stranger of Paradise is going to come out almost two years after the Seven Remake. That's like the longest period of time Square or Square Enix has gone releasing two original Final Fantasy games since the gap between six and seven it's it's mm. mad it's madness yeah they typically have been releasing around like 10 final fantasy based games a year mm. i think like on a pretty consistent basis yeah because there have been so many mobile games spin-offs whatever but they've just like just for whatever reason just cut them away and said look we've got to let this franchise breathe a little bit mm-hmm. because they've got big games coming up and the the smaller games I've kind of devalued it a bit because as you said, like they've just been, there've been so many of them. They've, they've, they've not really been related to final fantasy other than just kind of like lending, like lending assets, like borrowing characters or whatever. They could have easily been their own standalone games. And if you look at like the lineup of TGS, dungeon encounters, voice of cards, there was triangle strategy. You've got Forspoken. That's four games that are coming out in the next, um like four months or well, like next six months sorry that have nothing to do with final fantasy yeah or any of their existing ips whatsoever and i think they've suddenly suddenly started to realize that they need this like new blood coming in because octopath was a new ip that's now spawned its own things uh you've got the mobile game that's come out of that and then you've got i think there's a new octopath game in, in development already um near uh, automata has basically revitalized that franchise from scratch yeah and now near is its own viable ip they don't the only way they're gonna like reduce this reliance on final fantasy and allow it so that they don't have to keep producing all these games all the time to make it viable for them to earn money as a company is to start diversifying their portfolio mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really glad that it's starting to happen now because it does give us other things to start getting excited about. Like yeah. there's every chance that Forspoken could sell like five million plus copies. That's enough to to make that a legitimate thing. Like Kingdom Hearts has barely ever sold that many, and that's huge in terms of like the portfolio of Square. Yeah. If Forspoken can can be its own thing, great. And like, you know, if these small games like Voice of Cards, if they do well enough then they can start building supporting properties around these things and they can they can start taking more risks and and making more games like that mm. that maybe are little experiments here and there and maybe that will give Square Enix the the confidence to to make some other big budget games like Babylon's Fall is another one that should be coming out yeah. in the next 6 months as well like there's it, it's they it's like they've kind of turned a corner mm-hmm. and they're going back to how they were maybe 20 years ago or maybe longer than that like 20 25 years ago where they didn't have to keep churning out final fantasy based games to to generate the money mm-hmm. and people are starting to get a bit more confidence i guess in the non final fantasy and non kingdom hearts and non dragon quest games that they're releasing 
my only issue is that it's just, I mean, I like nobody really fully knows other than Square Enix themselves, like what the structure is like for staff, because it does also feel like they are spread super thin. Like, I can't imagine how many people they have on each project. Well, I guess, so now they have the four divisions, and within those divisions, they have subdivisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of the time, like, there's not too many games that are being developed primarily at Square. Yeah. So you have, like, the 7 Remake is the big one. Uh, Luminous Productions is being developed primarily at Square. But a lot of the other games are being overseen by a handful of people at Square and then primarily worked on by third parties. So Voice of Cards, typical example, overseen by like Yoko Taro, Yosuke Saito, uh, Kicho Kabe. I think there's a couple of other people from Square, but the majority of the work is being done by Alim. Mm. But and then I do worry about like if with that as well as the um, room for like the level of quality that comes from the games as well because like even though babylon's fall is like underway like it's sounding like it may be struggling a little bit like it just it's it's hard and like with strangers of paradise which we'll get into as well i'm just worried about like the voice of the voice of square enix the people who are there like it's it just it's difficult it's really difficult i think the main the main challenge that square enix has is that they are a, a big publisher and to increase their output they have to work with third parties mm-hmm. but if you look at like i guess the western companies that you would compare it to like bethesda yeah they do everything in-house primarily they'll work with third parties on specific things mm-hmm. and like they all outsource to i mean insomniac outsource like they all they all have outsourcing studios that work on smaller aspects of the game yeah but the primary bulk of the work is done internally yeah and like it's okay Sony like, Santa yeah. Monica. Yeah, like you know i don't but that's the thing insomniac games have a much lower um uh they make much less money i would imagine than square enix do Mm. because they just that's that's them and square enix were in a position like them once upon a time but i guess i guess the frustrating thing that you're getting onto is that if you think about what what is square enix actually developing themselves right now with limited support from anyone else seven remake part two yeah forspoken final fantasy 16 final fantasy 14 Mm. dragon quest I think, no, Dragon Quest is typically done by third parties. Um, it's, I, yeah. I guess that's it, really. Like, yeah. a couple of games, a couple of big games they're working on by themselves. Yeah. Is that really enough? Who knows? But that's the thing. They're very private, so none of us will know unless no, we work No, we there. will not. Um, and then, yeah, so the other game that's coming out soon is The First Soldier. We've got the confirmation that that's going to be coming out in November, so next month. Triangle Strategy has ditched the project from the name, which we all <laughs> kind of assumed is going to be the case. And that's coming out in March, and that's being worked on by the Bravely and Octopath teams. But it's still such a funny name. Triangle, Triangle Strategy. Strategy. Dungeon Encounters, Triangle Strategy, like... <laughs> <laughs> uh and then it's just all gonna be like it's just all like a plan for square enix to just be like education like education educational leaders in the games industry we're gonna get a game about math and this game is gonna be about triangles we're gonna have another game that's based around trapezoids so there (laughs) that'll be the sequel yeah trapezoid (laughs) Uh, and then, yeah, Stranger of Paradise was announced that that's coming out in March. Mm. So, yeah, from now until March, we've got Dungeon Encounters and, and Voice of Cards coming out this month. First Soldier coming out next month. Triangle Strategy is coming out in March. Two weeks later, a Stranger of Paradise. And then Forspoken is coming out in spring, mm. which is any time between the 20th of March and the 21st of June. So I would imagine that's going to be like an April-May release so that it goes into the next financial year for Square Enix. Mm. But it means that there's there's like tons of stuff coming out coming out, and there's going to be. I mean, there's probably more stuff um, from. I mean, like Dragon Quest Ten Offline is coming out in Japan in February. 
there's probably some other things that are coming out in Japan exclusively at the start of next year. And maybe some Western game. I don't even... I Oh, there's Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, that game. <laughs> the game that's been over-marketed and everyone's fed up with seeing it, like, every, every single opportunity, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just kind of, like, it's just, it's just really massive at the moment, isn't it? Like, just thinking of all the stuff that Screenix is, like, doing, and it just feels like it's... Yeah, I just I don't know what what the reputation of Square Enix now to the average consumer. I don't know if they anyone knows what they do. Yeah, I think they're just kind of like a mismatch of everything. Yeah, and like if you think if they just condensed it down mm-hmm. and just released like two or three big budget games a year. Yeah, you've got the MMOs and you've got the mobile games to sustain it all. Yeah, like why do they need to have their hand in like every single thing? Because they do. Yeah. Anyway, so it's there's a lot of stuff to look forward to as uh, fans of Square Enix Japan over the next six months, which is really exciting because mm. we haven't had that for a while. It feels like, mm-hmm. and like they may not all appeal to everyone, but there there should be something that appeals to someone in that in that a range of or arrangement of games. Anyway, so <laughs> Stranger of Paradise. We all know what happened during the E3 reveal. It was not the best showing, but the demo was actually pretty good. Mm. And I had a decent time with the demo in comparison to the trailer. This time, <laughs> they sorted the trailer out. And I was, it's, it was actually like a, a real point of frustration for me because at the beginning part, like a 20, well, maybe 30 seconds of the trailer, it was like, you know, words on the screen. They showed Garland walking towards the screen uh, with like a CG cutscene. And then it pulled up the logo. Mm. And I was like, just thinking to myself, that would have been the perfect trailer for them to show during E3. It was mm. like a teaser. It, it identified the concept as being about Final Fantasy 1. It's clearly Garland or, yeah. or Chaos. And Stranger of Paradise, boom. That would have got so many people speculating about what it was and mm. there would have been so much excitement about what it was. Much more than we got. <laughs> um, but yeah, the rest of the trailer this time around was much better as well. I've heard that the Japanese trailer was different to the Western trailer. <laughs> In R1, they cut out many of the mentions of chaos because they did not want to create a another meme. <laughs> um obviously they were offended by our meaniness yes um and it was revealed at the end of the trailer that jack is called <laughs> garland jack, jack garland. garland i met damon uh anyway uh, um oh it's so, so funny so yeah they as we had predicted i think last episode they have put out a second demo mm-hmm Weirdly enough, the demo feels worse than the previous demo. And I I don't know if that's just because my expectations have increased based Mm. on what I think they should have done in that time, because it has been like four months. But like there was really bad frame rate this time around. I, I feel as though in some way, and maybe the full game will be better structured. There was way too much choice. Like they Mm. just gave you access to pretty much like, I don't know, like 12, 13, 14 jobs like off the bat and we're like, do it. Mm. And I think that's generally one of my issues with this type of game um, where they don't they don't really give you a chance to explore and experiment with these because you're trying to progress the game. Right. So you want to progress the game by doing what you think is going to get you through that path the quickest. Yeah experimentation doesn't really become part of that unless experimentation is forced and in the seven remake it was much a similar story like everyone just is going to go with cloud because that's the main character you get to play as let much less people play as barrett and tifa and Aerith because you're never forced to do so so Mm -hmm. when you when you like if you're given the choice you're going to go with the character that you're more confident with because like i guess it was like um Type Zero is probably the one that I think did it the best in terms of allowing you to experiment. But in the Seven Remake, it's like, you know, if you're playing as Cloud as your main and and he goes down, like I generally switched to Tifa and Barrett if I just wanted to use a move quickly. Yeah. Not not necessarily because of any 
practical utility. Well, Tifa, you did only in only my second playthrough. Yeah, when, when you I got figured out confident. why she was really yeah, good. Because I did like the combat arena stuff where you where you have the opportunity to play as them in isolation, so mm-hmm. you have to learn more about the mechanics and why you might want to use them. Yeah, but the game did a pretty bad job of of like making me want to play as those other characters. Yeah. And I always feel as though that's one of the issues. Like I say, a game like Dynasty Warriors does it really well because they force you to play as certain characters during different missions, and that enables you to explore different play styles. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it's like, yeah, okay, you start off with a sword. Fine. Most people have gravitated towards the great sword, which is like the swordsman or the knight or the warrior class. Yeah. It's the first weapon you start with. But then, like almost immediately afterwards, I could have I got access to the monk. I got access to the the duelist, and then. You know, there's the the mage. Um, I can't even think. There's so many jobs that mm. was that were possible, and then like it's a demo as well, so you don't want to spend too much time on it. Yeah. But so I I focused. I, I was like I did I did uh, warrior last time. I'm going to try and do monk this time. Mm-hmm. It's a very different type of job, and um, then I was like, oh, sorry, pugilist to start off with. Then I was trying to unlock monk uh, so i had to play a bit of uh, the lancer but i didn't spend too much time with any of them other than monk so i got quite proficient with monk yeah but there was nothing outside of like general curiosity because they were like oh you should like explore uh or you should try and find a weapon that suits your play style mm-hmm. it's like well you know i'm making decent progress with this one so why do i want to try another one yeah i i'm you may end up doing much better with a different play style but how would you know unless you actively want to try it yeah whereas yeah like type zero you kind of got forced to if you wanted to complete the mission because once a character died there was no possibility for getting them back and maybe they could do something similar in this it's way too late but like they could have done something similar where like if you know if you uh jobs had limit or like uh timers or something like so if you mm. if you exhausted a job you have to go to another one I, yeah. I don't know like just just something to outside of just a random tutorial that lasts for like a minute that teaches you the bare minimum about how to use that class yeah you're not going to learn how to like get proficient with a job in a in a one minute tutorial yeah yeah and no definitely not just it just like it's just yeah like a bit overwhelming and i hope the main game is more structured and gives you a chance to experiment with these different jobs, like force you to use these job classes on certain missions. Like you have to go, it's a red mage only mission. You can Mm -hmm. only use that job on this. Yeah. Just to make people aware of the different possibilities and the different um, pros and cons of each of the jobs. But again, I guess that's the other issue is the fact that they, they don't want people to just be like, Oh, this game stinks because like they just didn't let me play what I want. I mean, it's it's kind of my biggest gripe about the souls games actually as well, because Mm -hmm. you, I was gravitated towards just using a big sword. Yeah. But like the mages are incredibly powerful, but like, (laughs) yeah, I just use mages all the time. I never, so I never easy. understood how to use them. Yeah, really, and it's the same in uh, in Stranger of Paradise. Like the Black Mage, I just don't get it. Mm. I don't get it. Mm. But 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 because I'm not forced to understand or learn, it could end up being a really easy way to play through the game. Yeah, but like I, you kind of have to go out of your. You got to go online. I know it's just like really entitled. I basically was forced to out of fear for the Fire Lurker. That is why I became a mage. In you didn't in Bloodborne. Demon Souls. I didn't get far enough in Bloodborne. I got past like the first, the first sort of big like world bit, and it just disturbed me. So I didn't carry on. <laughs> I just, I yeah. But no, that's a story for another time. But yeah, no, like that's the only reason why I used why I used um mage in that game. But no, I I do agree. I think, I think. The jobs were also just better in Type Zero because, like, the AI was really helpful. Like, if you had a team of three, you had Deuce who would just be like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna play." It was Deuce, wasn't it? Who was just, She's "I'm just bard, gonna play yeah. my flute, and your enemies are just gonna die, and it's great." Woohoo! You didn't have to worry about her. Like, you didn't have to really. The AI was a lot better. Mm in this uh in this demo and they added some commands that you can kind of give them to use their abilities on a more regular basis but i think in general just i don't know there was just something that just didn't feel as polished this time as this time around Mm. like i said the frame rate was not that great um i don't know the visuals didn't look 
if you look to them comparatively, they probably are better now. Mm. But uh, maybe it's because I'd already done the level because it was the exact same level again mm-hmm. this time in the demo, which I think was a mistake. I, I don't think they should have included the Chaos Shrine again in this one. They should have just done the Refin, uh, whatever it was called. Yeah, um, the new place. The new place only or added two new locations. I don't know. I, I think doing... Do you think it was because of the lighting? Do you think that that might have hurt it a bit? I don't know, but I don't know, just... Yeah, I... I feel as though, like, because I was not doing the Chaos Shrine for the first time, I kind of just rushed through it because I was like, well, I know what's going to happen. I've, yeah. I've been here. I've Why done this. Why should I do it again? You know, I... And uh, I just kind of wanted to get through it so I could... Because that's the thing. They made you play through the Chaos Shrine and complete the Chaos Shrine before you could do the new level. Yeah, which is just silly. They should have just had it, like, you know, this is this is the Chaos Shrine again. Would you like to continue with this or do you want to continue with the um, new the new section yeah. of the demo? And the new level, which was uh, kind of inspired by 13, which throws up a whole load of questions about what other <laughs> levels are going to be and whether they're going to be like Final Fantasy 7 or an 8 and 9 and 10 levels in there. I just didn't really like the structure of it that much. Mm-hmm. I think the visual style didn't really work. I mean, like, the visual style of Stranger of Paradise in general is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like the graphics aren't that great for what you'd expect from a PS5 game. And I know it's cross-gen, which kind of ha- hampers it. Mm. but like it it just doesn't it doesn't look that great it doesn't perform that great mm. and yeah like the the lighting and everything in in uh, the refin uh level was not particularly good i don't know it just there's just something about the game that just doesn't look polished yeah and the the worrying thing for me is that like you know i i filled out the survey and to be honest i I was less impressed by this demo than the previous one, so I gave more critical feedback because mm. I think it should be a better... Like, it's it's got their branding on it. It's being overseen by Nomura, who is the ultimate perfectionist, apparently. I can't understand how they'll be happy with it. And, like, yeah. when you look at the, the, the team that's developing it, Team Ninja, everyone is looking at the Neo comparisons because Neo is a, a game that plays incredibly well. And like it's not like the best looking game ever, but it's 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 not terrible. It's it's like no. it's it's up there. Like it's yeah. it's it's not going to be a winning awards, but it's it's like a really solid looking game. It's got really good atmosphere, and it's it doesn't feel like it's made by that team. It yeah. feels like it's made by more uh, heavily the Dissidia NT team, which is not the best thing in the world. Yeah, and I. I don't know. They've said that it's going to be coming on the 18th of March. It would not surprise me if the game is delayed mm-hmm. because it's giving them only like six, what, five months to turn this game around. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be releasing and I can see it getting reviews in the in the 60 to 80 percent range. But it'll be like low 70s as opposed to high 70s. Yeah, which is a shame. Like, it's not what they need right now. Like, it's just... They've had so many like lackluster releases. Like when when is it going to be the last one? When is it going to be the one that really makes yeah, them wake up? Yeah, this game needed to release uh, as the same standard as the Seven remake, mm. and the fact that it's not going to be is a shame. Like people are already, you know, because of how I- I'm guessing, probably partially because of how badly the um, Avengers game like did initially is the reason why nobody's really that interested in guardians of the galaxy yeah like it's just you know why should we trust you with this yeah i again? mean avengers did really badly um outriders has not done particularly great either square enix they're 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 kind of they're, they must see that their reputation is going into the crapper yeah. because of the quality of the game and that's why honestly and i, I know it's it's bad because we've been with the franchise for so long and you know we're not 14 players so i don't necessarily have that um in the back of my mind i i don't know what to expect out of 16 at this point yeah like 7 remake 2 i'm kind of okay with still not 100% confident based on how the story's going to go mm-hmm. but from a gameplay perspective i'm like pretty pretty happy with how that's going yeah 16 i have no clue what kind of game we're going to get whatsoever yeah. and i'm not going to go in, i'm not blindly just thinking it's going to be amazing yeah whereas i used in the past i would have i would have like had that 
complete confidence in them. But yeah, yeah like their their track record at the moment is more duds. Yeah. Than like they're they're releasing games and it obviously they're not striving for it, but like their games are like they're middle they're middling, they're average. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen? Um because yeah, like Outriders Outriders is a seventy three on Open Critic. Mm. Um Avengers was a sixty eight. Like those are two like big big games yeah. for them. Yeah. That just just didn't I mean Life is Strange. I mean they even like had like a they even had like a Discord a discord thing for outriders didn't they i mean they most have... most things have discords these well, they, days they just they they wanted it to be but you look huge. at like tales of tales of rises in 88 mm. on on open critic mm-hmm. it's the same score as seven remake got mm. and it's like you just don't i don't know it's just i, I don't yeah like, i don't know what to expect from them mm. anymore I, they don't have my like just undying no like support uh, they've got obviously that like, support but like uh, yeah I, I don't i don't care about guardians of the galaxy i i don't i'm not going to pick it out just because it's made by them mm-hmm. because i don't have confidence that it's going to be a good game yeah it's going to be okay yeah probably maybe mildly and yeah that's kind of where it's at with stranger of paradise like i don't yeah based on these two demos or the last demo the one we just that has just come out Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the final game is going to be like. Yeah. Whatsoever. Because like the story segments are just so all over the place. I mean, everyone must have seen the new meme scene now where Jack is like listening to this new character called Neon mm-hmm. and he just tells her that she's talking BS and then just gets Bluetooth headphones from somewhere and starts listening to some music <laughs> and just walks off. Like... I'm sure in the grand scheme of the story, it's going to make sense. Maybe. But for a demo where you don't know what's going on, it's just like, what is even going <laughs> on? Like, this doesn't make, like, it's so odd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like the the writing just doesn't seem up to par to where you, it should be. You look be. at, like, the 7 remake. They did the, the demo for the Guard Scorpion, like, mm-hmm. up until that point. That's a solid demo. This this whole process just seems like they don't really know what they're doing. But like even still, even even with that in mind, like Final Fantasy VII Remake's writing still felt a bit weird to me. Like it yeah. still was a bit weird. It wasn't it wasn't near nearly this sort of weird, <laughs> not nearly as weird as Strangers of Paradise. But it's it's the fact that and and it it kind of. Um, is in Forspoken as well, this like really big necessity that they somehow feel to be edgy. Like it's like this weird thing where they just were suddenly like Steve Buscemi and that one thing where it's just like, what's happening kids? And like that type of thing. It just, it just feels forced. And I wonder if it is partially just because of how removed they are from how people actually interact with each other (laughs) like do they actually know how to interact with human beings these writers um or what people actually sound like on a day-to-day basis don't know but yeah i am sick of the swearing like i hate to be a prude but i I just i don't there if it doesn't add anything to what somebody is saying just don't use it yeah but yeah i think i'm the stranger of paradise kind of the steps they're taking just it cements that yeah they're not they're not confident mm. in what they're doing they've released two demos in the space of four months they're asking for yeah. feedback on both of them yeah and like you know for for a kind of a mobile game fine whatever but like babylon's fall is going through the same process it's like i think they're doing like four betas mm. to try and get the game into a state where it's playable mm-hmm and I don't know, like, what are they going to do with Stranger of Paradise if, if like, all the feedback comes back as, like, super negative? Because it wasn't that positive after the last one. Yeah. They've tried to make improvements, and, and if their feedback is, like, the same or worse, like, are they just going to go, like, yeah, you know, well, let's just release an okay game. Like, who are they even, who are they even, like, playtesting this on? 
is it just us like who knows but anyways yeah anyways um so stranger of paradise i'm still curious about it i i will probably play it but it's not it's not like a must buy yeah it's a it's an i'm gonna play it because i'm curious i'm a fan of the genre and it's a final fantasy game in that genre but like yeah i i I, I, it has not left the best impression. Yeah. And I'm now, yeah, I think after the first demo, I was, if they hadn't done another demo, you I would have been okay. Yeah, I would have probably been okay. I, I would have been But like, then you would have been lulled into a false yeah. sense of security and then played the game and then got to that scene and been like, what the hell is going on? But that's the thing, right? That scene may make more sense in the full game because it will be after loads of story stuff that explains why it's happening. <laughs> explains why he is so fed up with this person. But like, yeah, like just everything was out of context. And, and yeah, like the... the the demo has made me less confident about whether I'm going to like the final product, mm. which is not the, uh, not what you want out not, of the demo. No, <laughs> not what you want after a demo. But anyway, yeah, um, we'll see what happens in the next couple of months. Whether or not they are able to turn it around, and yeah, they got like they got five months really because it's going to be coming out in six months. So you got the gold segment. Yeah, it's day one patch probably. So we'll see what happens. We mm. will see. But yeah, so I think that's pretty much it, Lauren. Well, I well. hope I hope you all are doing well. Well, 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 well. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the nineteenth of October. Be mm. sure to check out all of our previous episodes on FinalFantasyUnion.com, and maybe by then there will actually be a new website. And maybe by then, Lauren and Daryl will be happy with life. We're unhappy with life. At Square Enix. I'm mixed at them. I'm, I'm, Maybe Will you won't have a complicated relationship with I don't Square think Enix. Can, I don't think they can solve that in two weeks. <laughs> you never know. They did seem to sell your opinion of Strangers of Paradise within That's like a true. month. That's true. <laughs> so they are capable of anything. Well, I think Dungeon Encounters will be out by the next episode. So maybe I would have played that and mm. I would have got super excited about everything. Daryl's going to be down with the math. Yeah. There you go. All right, everyone. If you enjoy what we do, uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. But for now, it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.